Okay, so Nationwide Primetime is going virtual October 27th through the 29th. This is a big move for Nationwide because the face-to-face -face gathering, the energy of primetime, the networking opportunities, the education, the deals, just getting exposure to what the Nationwide Network is all about, it's, it's hard not to be there in person, but we're really excited about Nationwide Primetime going virtual. Quinn, you're gonna be speaking, I'm gonna be speaking, we don't even know what we're gonna be speaking on yet because you told me not to tell anybody. <laughs> well, in all fairness to me, I told you not to tell anyone because we don't have any clue. And it sounds better if you say to people, yeah, we can't talk about it. It's under wraps. Then we are um, lackadaisical in our approach and we haven't planned it yet. So I, I chose the first part instead. But Kinsley, I'm with you. I'm fired up. You know, it, it bums me out a little bit, though, because part of the fun is being in the room with all those people. But I got to tell you, after watching what Furniture Today did with their conference and seeing the way that they did it, um, there's still a lot of great ways to get value out of that. And the fact that we're going to be doing um, one of their headline talks at Metris University fires me up. And you know what? We're going to bring it this time. It's going to be weird, right? Because we did the rap video, like dancing and the coming up from the back room. So we did that. The very first speech we did was Rocky, right? So we tried to kind of mirror, you know, Rocky and, and, uh, and the five fights you're in and you have to win. That gotta was win the first speech. Gotta win them. So now we got to figure out what we're going to do virtually. So maybe we'll come up with something creative. Who knows? I think that we'll probably be able to swing that. Hey, and what you need to be able to swing is if you're a nationwide member, it's free. So it's hundred percent free. Go to nationwidepritime.com, get signed up, put it on your calendars, October 27th through the 29th. Dr. V is on the show today. And we had previously interviewed Dr. V about Miskelly's using podium. And then we're like, wait, it's going to be too weird to go back and play the segment of Dr. V when he's on the show today. So we're just going to be like, Dr. V, how are you using podium? And, and our guess is it's all about connecting with the consumers these days. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, it's, it's all about relationships and that's the easiest thing. So two ways that we're using podium. Uh, is one, the opportunity for them to give us a review. That is huge. Um, one, because your online reputation is incredibly important as people are doing their research, they're also researching you as a company, not just your products, because you can buy products at a lot of different places, but why do they choose you? Uh, and a lot of people rely on reviews. So Podium gives an opportunity to serve up a timely review to the consumer uh, and it is amazing how we went from probably a 1.8 uh, rating to now we're at a 4.7. And it's quite simply because Podium has allowed the consumers to share the positive experiences that they were receiving at Ms. Kelly's. And then occasionally when we get those negative reviews, and they happen, uh, it gives us an opportunity to connect with that customer and fix where we may have just dropped the ball. Um, I mean, things are going to happen. Dr. V, just is, was it hard to integrate? I think a lot of people listening to this might go, oh my gosh, like that sounds really hard to integrate into my business. Was it hard? They figured out the most opportune time to actually serve up the review. And quite simply, it's about 20 minutes after they make a purchase. So quite simply, we send the information to Podium as soon as the sale is complete. 20 minutes later, they send it back on their phone Quite simply, please rate your experience. and gives them an opportunity to make a comment. Uh, we get five stars all the time. Uh, it's amazing. We figured out how to elevate the use of Podium above and beyond. 
I'm, I was amazed at how many customers right after they make the purchase are so complimentary about our salespeople to the point that we now use the reviews that we're getting from our customers. We actually put them on a communication board throughout the entire company. You know, as we talk about culture is what you create or what you tolerate. So we want to set the standard of what our culture is going to be and the way we treat our guests. And one way to do that is use the words of our guest in how they were treated and put it on a communication board in the form of a podium review that really tells the rest of the company, hey, this guest had a great experience and why. Check it out. I mean, you just got to go over to podium.com forward slash dose and you actually get 10% off. So check that out. Podium.com forward slash dose, D-O-S, try to make it easy on you. Um, and Dr. V, that's a, that's a huge endorsement. And it's great to see that, you know, retailers care enough, not only to cultivate reviews that benefit your business, but to can truly connect with consumers in ways that they want to connect, which is through their phone, through text, through web chat, and Podium does it all. Dose Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dose Marcos. Dr. V. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Dos Marcos podcast. We've actually had enough conversations ahead of time to record multiple podcasts. So it's nice to officially have you here. Now, I have to say something right out of the gates. Number one, you're not a real doctor, but you play one on TV and you can say that with confidence. Yes. And here's one thing I've realized about you. You are an amazing soundbite generator. Like what comes out of your mouth is like, perfect 30 second ad spots. Now it's great because you do that on TV, but for the podcast, I'm worried. I'm a little concerned. So, because I want people to know the man behind the white coat. And so here's what I'm going to ask you right out of the gates. Okay. Here what we go. is this? What is the strangest thing about where you grew up? Well, that's a good question, one I certainly hadn't thought about. So I actually grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and then I went to college at Mizzou, which is in Columbia, Missouri, which is halfway between uh, St. Louis and Kansas City, Missouri. And um, where I grew up, you know, I just grew up within a basic family that things were just great and normal and just like normal kids. Uh, I went to an all-male Catholic high school uh, there in uh, St. Louis, which is probably why I'm a little bit weird today. But um, which, one, which one did you go to? St. Mary's High School, which uh -huh. is in South St. Louis City. Uh, so I spent four years there before I headed off to Mizzou, and then I spent four years at uh, Mizzou. What was your so, dad like? Uh, my dad was great, um, very involved in the family uh, from early on, um, a little bit of an entrepreneur. When I was young, we actually had a concrete company called Vonderhaar Concrete Company there in St. Louis, Missouri. Our logo was kind of red and white candy stripe. Uh, and I can remember as a kid, obviously, going there. And, you know, I look back on it now, how dangerous it was. They had these huge, like, huge sand piles 
uh, for the concrete. And I would like go and play on them. In hindsight, that was incredibly dangerous. I mean, these were like, you know, 100 feet high sand dunes with loose sand. I mean, I could have easily tumbled in and been covered and died. I did but, the same thing, but it yeah. was chat piles. Like these were the, the mine, mine trailings that were stacked up and looked like mountains. And we would grab pieces of fiberglass, turn them into sleds yep. and sled down these chat piles, probably just like ingesting as much lead as possible along the way and yeah, putting shards of fiberglass into your fingernails. It probably it explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Usually that's Quinn's line. He's like, that explains yeah. a lot, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just played in corn silos that uh, until I was an adult didn't understand that there's a big blade at the bottom of the corn silo that circulated <laughs> to get the corn to go down. And I looked at my dad. I'm like, why would you let your kid play in something like I, I could have sunk right to the bottom. But yeah, he was like, we had to see if you were the fittest. OK, so in the Quinn family, it's survival of the fittest. And I made it. So you, so Dr. V, you grew up in St. Louis, went to Catholic yes. high school and you you told us offline that one of your mentors and people that are familiar with the mattress industry and especially the mattress industry in St. Louis will know this name, Denny Boyd was one of your mentors. What's the story behind you and getting to know Denny Boyd? Uh, Denny absolutely is just amazing and one of my truly favorite people on the planet. Uh, so I was actually in college uh, and decided I wanted to get a waterbed. So I went to one of Denny's stores, which at that point was called Royal Waterbeds. We're talking 1984 uh, at this point. Uh, and so I went in to buy a waterbed, uh, encountered Denny, and I ended up buying one of those canopy waterbeds that had the mirrors up in the top uh, of it, and had all the lights, had a TV. Dr. V. Yeah, had a TV that hung Yeah, I was, you know, 22 years old in college. This was a cool, cool thing to have uh, in the apartment, so to speak. But um, yeah, so it was pretty exciting. Um, we got to talking and then I, I realized that my senior year was coming to an end. This was probably March of 84 and, um, I was getting my degree in business. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Had stopped by the waterbed store to pick up some waterbed conditioner, ran into Denny. We got into a conversation, um, and I decided to go to work for him. And the interesting thing with, uh, Denny is how I got the job is, uh, we started talking back and forth and he's like, why should I hire you? And I was like, well, I think I know a little bit more about waterbeds than most of your salespeople, which was a pretty bold claim considering I'd never worked at a waterbed store. But for my English paper, which I was very excited about, uh, two years earlier, I had done a whole report on waterbeds. And at the time I turned in my rough draft and I got like a D and I was really devastated that I'd gotten a D on my rough draft. And the reason why is because the teacher said that it was too one-sided. Because I did, for my source, I went through all the head shops that existed back in the early 80s, because that was the only place you could find waterbeds, and I got their type of pamphlets. And they said that I needed a more balanced paper. So I spent an entire summer going to Washington University in St. Louis, their medical library. And I researched everything I could find on the medical benefits of flotation sleep. And not knowing at the time, but I became like an expert when it came to flotation. I mean, I knew everything from pressure points to dicubitus ulcers to you name it. So Denny and I got into this little sparring question and answer thing uh, about, hey, 
about waterbeds back and forth. Uh, he felt like I knew enough, so he hired me. And then he had this philosophy that no one started on a sales floor. Everyone started in a warehouse and on delivery. So that's how I started my career with Denny Boyd. The funny thing is that Denny said you had to earn your right to be on a sales floor. And so back then we would take out padded rails to put around the wood frames, or we would sell solid state heaters. Now for my old timers that are listening to this podcast that were in flotation, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I realized pretty quickly, I got pretty good at doing that, but I couldn't get the volume that I wanted to get. So I started taking out like nightstands and dressers and furniture on the truck with me that the customer didn't even buy. And then I had this little thing where I would like take, I would set up the water bed, I would unload all the furniture into the bedroom that they didn't buy. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I am so sorry. I've made a mistake here. You're not supposed to get this furniture. They were like, yeah, but it looks really good. And I said, well, I don't mind calling my manager if you'd like to keep it. And then I'd get my manager on the phone and they would end up negotiating a deal since it was already in their house. And all of a sudden my delivery sales shot to the roof. And that's how I earned my way onto the sales floor with Denny Boyd. That was probably now many, many years ago. So probably 35 years ago, back in the 80s. You know what? That would be a baller move if you're eating dinner, wouldn't it? Like to, <laughs> when you get done eating dinner and they bring out this lava cake, like dripping with chocolate syrup, and they set it right down in front of you and they go, here's your chocolate lava cake. And you go, I didn't order that. Now, are you going to let them take that lava cake away from Smart. you? I like where you're going, I don't think you are. Well, you really- I'll probably work it out with my manager here, but- Yeah. I got to go talk to somebody. So anyway, that's how I got on there. And then uh, I was training to be a manager uh, and he wanted to move me to one of his St. Louis locations. And he took me to a convention down in New Orleans. Back then he actually also had a sheet company named Snuggles. Um, And so he wanted me to work the booth for him down in New Orleans at this uh, waterbed trade show. And this would have been in 1984. And so we went down the 1st of September uh, and I worked the whole booth that time, got to meet a whole lot of people in the waterbed industry. uh, And it was pretty exciting because rural waterbeds at that time was fairly well known. Denny had already kind of established himself in the industry. Um, And then on the way back, I spent the night in Jackson, Mississippi. And I was really excited and eager because I was gonna be a new manager. So the next morning, I decided to go to all the waterbed stores in Jackson, Mississippi Uh, so I could learn all the things that they were doing so I could take it back to St. Louis. Only there were no waterbed stores in Mississippi, not one. And I thought for eight hours back on that drive in September of 1984, I thought I should open up a waterbed store. I was 22 years old. I had no money. I had a shell credit card with a $300 limit. uh, And that was the rest of the story. And so, uh, and this is where it really gets significant. And I guess You know, I really always talk about how we have power with our words and our influence on others and why we should be an encourager. So I really came up with this idea. I had a business degree, but I went to Denny Boyd. And and this is the most amazing part of everything that that I've said and probably will say today. I went to Denny and I was like, Denny, I really think that I want to move to Mississippi and open up a waterbed store. Now, here's the thing. I respected this man. I love this man, literally worshiped where he was at, and I loved his company. His words at this point now make a difference in my entire future. If he had said, you know, Alan, it's, you know, it's really tough out there. 
you know, the waterbed industry, we're now in the mid 80s, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, you've got such a great future working for me in St. Louis, you're going to be one of my managers. If he had said anything like that, I would have dropped the idea in a heartbeat. But he didn't. He said, Alan, I think you've got a rare gift where you could really be successful. I think you're the type of guy that if you really put your mind to it and you stay focused and you realize why you're opening up this waterbed store and the impact you want to have on uh, the quality of sleep uh, for your customers, I think you could actually be quite successful. And I think you should try it. And with those words of encouragement is what caused me to move 500 miles away to a state that I had only traveled once through. And I went into a bank and this is a 1984, so it was before the SNL crisis, all those kind of things. I went into a bank with a business plan and an idea and they gave me a little bit of money and I opened up a company called Sunset Waterbeds and um, had that company for 10 years from 84 to 94. And tell us your, I would never, go ahead. Tell us your tagline. I like what your tagline is. Well, it was Sunset Waterbeds, your body's best friend. Uh, <laughs> and we actually had a little jingle and a song and the whole thing that went along with it. Could you give us a, a little bit? A beautiful sunrise on a sunset waterbed. Yeah, could you give us a little bit of that jingle? Can you? Yeah, like, I'm going to try. That I'm not a singer by any nature, but it was sunset waterbeds, your body's best friend. So that was the tagline for sunset waterbeds <sighs> for 10 years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, so uh, Denny had a tremendous impact uh, on my direction, on my future. Later, because he also had the wholesale side of the business, I later ended up buying my mattresses from him. I bought my sheets from him, uh, from Snuggles, et cetera. But yeah, he's an amazing individual, uh, really a true innovator in our industry, always have been on the cutting edge, um, but he really believed in his people and had a tremendous impact uh, on the direction of my life. What happened in 1994? So you had the company for 10 years. What happened next? Yeah, well, the old, as we all know, the waterbed industry just kind of moved on. Uh, and so uh, the only real furniture, the big furniture company in our city at the time was a company called Muskelly Furniture. Um, and interesting, so uh, it was owned by three brothers, Oscar, Tommy, and Chip. And they were three brothers that really were pouring in. They were growing their business at that point, um, had basically kind of a superstore. And Oscar was actually my Sunday school teacher. And I played racquetball with Tommy Miskelly, who was also in our Sunday school class. And so I thought it was natural for me to leave Sunset Waterbeds and go to work for Miskelly's. And so I asked them to hire me as literally just a salesperson, straight commission, no salary, just put me on the sales floor, pay me a nickel for every dollar I bring in. And I ended up going through five interviews because Oscar Miskelly, who was my Sunday school teacher, basically was afraid because I had already had my own business that I would not be able to adapt to the Miskelly way of doing things. And so they were very hesitant just to hire me as a salesperson. So uh, eventually I convinced them to give me a shot. And here we are 26 years later, and I'm still trying to convince them that I can adapt to the Miskelly way. But How's I that working out for you? Out that I can. <laughs> What a, what a great uh, transition. I mean, you, you clearly were in the bedding business. You understood mattresses, but it was really focused on a category that was seeing decline. Whenever you, what was the mattress industry like back then? I mean, obviously there was a selling difference whenever you went from waterbeds 
to selling, you know, Interspring mattresses. Um, so what was that, what was that like early on? I mean, was, was it pretty much the same thing? Like people just need a good night's sleep and they're trying to find it or have things well, changed and that message has changed over the years? Well, I mean, the message has always been consistent. Number one reason why people buy a mattress because they need a better night's sleep. So that message hasn't changed. What was changed is back then you had, you know, especially like when you look at brands like Sealy, you know, it was firm, firmer and firmest. I mean, that was the whole concept. And of course, waterbeds were everything but that. So the idea of sleeping on an inner spring contraption was completely foreign to the way that I had sold for the 10 previous years. But um, you really started to see in the 90s, this change where comfort was becoming a bigger issue. It's where we started to introduce the concept of comfort stories. Most models back then came in three comfort levels, a firm, a plush, and a pillow top. So you had kind of the, uh, the three different levels. So you really started to see a change where firmness just meant that it was firmer. Firmer in of itself is not better because if it was, we'd all sleep on the floor. So support became important. And so you saw the messaging change from the type of support level that you needed and then what was your comfort level? In other words, if I step on the floor, it's really hard. If I put a pillow underneath my foot, it's softer, but the support level didn't change. And so it became more of a story of support and comfort and really customizing the comfort to the customer. And so the selling style changed to where now you were doing what we call comfort selling uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and some of that obviously is still used uh, today. But when I started with Miskelly's, we probably were 7%, 6 7% of our business was mattresses. It was treated as a commodity. Um, I'll never forget um, how I became uh, the Dr. V and how that started to originate is uh, Tommy Miskelly had won some sort of trip from the TV stations. He was going to be out of town. We had the Tupelo furniture market coming up. And so uh, Oscar and Chip, they really were looking for a driver that would drop them off at the front door because parking was really bad and you had to walk a really long way. So they came up with an idea to have a sales contest. And whoever won the sales contest would win a trip to Tupelo, Mississippi for the Tupelo furniture market. And so I thought it was a big deal. I had never been to the Tupelo furniture market before. So I worked really, really hard. Uh, and I was the number one salesperson that month. Uh, this was probably back in 1995. Uh, and I won the honor of being the driver for the two owners so that I could drop them off at the front door uh, there. But on the way up to Tupelo uh, the night before, um, Chip Miskelly was asking me about the betting business because obviously my background. And I said, well, really, we should treat it as a separate business. I mean, I said, I really think that it is a category that you guys are missing out in. And as a result of that, I kind of became in charge of mattress portion of our business. I took it over, we started our own advertising, had our own advertising budget, our own type of sales training, dedicated to the whole mattress department. Um, and so that's how I kind of got involved. So we started out six, 7% back in the 90s. Today, betting is 25% of our business. So it's a major category for us, a major revenue center for us and the profit margins are good. But not only in terms of just the products that we sell, but obviously it's a whole lot easier to deliver a mattress set to a consumer than it is a bedroom set or even a living room set. You're able just to take it in, set it down. So the efficiency is all the way around and 
growing your mattress business is just exponential to how it can perform in the bottom line. How did hey, the, you end up with the lab coat though? Did we, how so did the you lab end up coat, with the, I'll give you a quick story on that. Back then we were a big Simmons dealer and uh, as a, and Simmons had a commercial called the bowling ball commercial mm -hmm. where they would drop a bowling ball on the mattress and it was the individual pocketed coils and the pins wouldn't fall down. The guy in the commercial wore a lab coat and so for Christmas party that year as a joke, because I was in charge of mattresses, they got me a jacket. It said Dr. V, mattress specialist. V being my last name of Vonderhart. And it was just simply meant to be a Christmas prank. Uh, but Chip Miskelly at the time said, you know what? We can market that. And we started doing commercials um, with Dr. V. As a matter of fact, the very first commercial uh, Chip did, it was called Friday Night Frenzy. And Chip had this vision to how we would introduce the character of Dr. V. And so he did this thing. We're going to be open till like midnight on a Friday night specials from like 8 p.m. to midnight. So he did this whole commercial and did it in front of the mattress gallery. And I was wearing a lab coat and I was like a gazelle behind him. And all I did, I had no speaking. I just jumped from mattress to mattress to mattress throughout the entire commercial in the background because it was this Friday night frenzy. And I went to him afterwards and I was like, look, guys, um, if you really want to do this Dr. V character correctly, um, I've never portrayed myself as a real doctor, but I am kind of a mattress expert by this point. I really understood the industry, understood where we were going with it. So um, we really ought to take a more serious approach with it. And so with that, in 1995, we decided to switch and Dr. V was born. And all of a sudden I started doing all of the mattress commercials. And I've been the face basically of Miskelly's mattress for the last like, 25 years uh, at this point. So uh, we do it very credibly, uh, very straightforward. But I mean, the funny thing is that a lot of people won't recognize me without my coat, but they'll recognize my voice. I mean, I can drive from Wendy's and they're like, you're that sleep guy, aren't you? You know, that kind of thing. You know, I talked to Trent Ramberger, who is a, is a friend of ours and, you know, he's kind of been on the show and, and Trent said, by virtue of him being on TV, he could stand in line to get some food and sell a mattress. Oh, I bet absolutely. that happens. Yeah. I, I just, it's funny how being on TV, I call it the Johnny Carson effect. I'm amazed when I can talk to customers out in the public and they realize who I am or they recognize me. It, it has, it's like instant credibility because, you know, I've come into their house on the news, you know, every night for 20 years. I just have instant credibility. It's funny because as a result, I now get the most uh, challenging customers that sometimes are not happy with something we may or may not have done. Uh, they usually end up on my phone. I'm the one that calls them. And as soon as I mention that I'm Dr. V, the whole conversation can just change. Uh, it's really pretty amazing. Uh, we can all of a sudden bond because they feel like they know me. Yeah, and you wanna, if you know somebody and trust them, then it's just a different foundation to begin from. Quinn is uh, sharing his screen. If you're watching uh, video, obviously you can see that. But if you're listening on the podcast, there's a video up. It says Simmons betting bowling ball commercial. Are you going to play this for us now? What's going on? I'm not going to play it. I just wanted to show the uh, nifty little lab coat there on the guy yeah. in the commercial. That's the origins of Dr. V right There's there. the origins of Dr. V. Exactly right. So Dr. That's, v, I got a question. That's a, sure. That was a woman on there, not a guy. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I've never seen that particular commercial. The guy's name was actually Rudy on the commercial that we copied it from back then. I, I think that's Rudy. I think you just pull off Rudy better than Rudy does. That's yeah, what I there think. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. So, Dr. V, I got a question for you. Um, 
you know, because you're such not just a good mattress source, but you're really a pro at what you do. And by that, I mean, you take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, you look at the category holistically. And um, I think you really take a lot of pride in how you present the category to the consumer. So my question for you is, why do you think the consumer doesn't fully appreciate that the mattress is something that delivers a great night of sleep? Meaning, you know, when Kinsley and I both served on the Better Sleep Council, you know, consumers, if you ask them about good sleep, intuitively, everybody knows, oh my gosh, yes, if I sleep better, then I just have this better quality of life. I look better. Intimacy is better. I test better. My attitude at work is better. They get that. But what they're not really getting, I think a lot prior to coming into shopping for a bed is, oh my gosh. So in their head, it's, I have a problem. My back is in pain. My bed is old. It sucks. It's not comfortable. I have to go buy a new mattress, right? It's not, I can't wait. This bed is like done its job. I'm going in and I'm going to get something for myself that's going to literally improve the quality of my life. What have we done wrong in this industry or what can we do differently? Maybe that's a better way to ask the question to make sure consumers understand that the products that we sell are things that can directly tie back to all of those incredibly good things that we mentioned just a minute ago. Well, that's a great question, uh, Quinn. And quite simply, I think we are actually starting down that path. Okay. Uh, and we're way farther down than what we used to be. I think we as an industry obviously did a race to the bottom uh, and most of the advertising that we have done as an industry have been very promotionally driven. It's I've got the better price, you know, or I can sell this thing to you cheaper. And so it's almost like we seem surprised that when we broadcast day in, day out, 299 mattresses, that the customer doesn't want to spend $1,500 on a mattress when they come in because we blasted them with 299 mattresses to be the lowest price point out there. And so we as an industry have promoted price for so long. Um, and I think that's been our real challenge. I think over the last several years though, I think you're seeing a difference that we as an industry realize that people will invest in better night's sleep if you tell the story. Uh, and I think Tempur-Pedic is a good example of that. You know, they were never a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. They really tried to sell it more on the benefits uh, of what their mattresses can provide. And I think that's what we as an industry need to focus on. We need to tell the story. No one else is going to tell the story. And if the only story we're telling is about price, then the consumer can only have that as their frame of reference. So I think more and more retailers are understanding that. Uh, there's a risk in trying to build the brand because we know consumers are motivated by promotions and by price. Uh, and so we want to slip into that avenue of marketing. Uh, so I think you've got to really have that balanced approach of being able to link what those benefits are. Uh, and I think we're doing it um, much more so today than what we were certainly back way back when. So I'm very hopeful for our industry. I think there's been a real switch. Uh, even during these times, um, we're trying to really figure out how do we tell the benefits of a better night's sleep? Because at the end of the day, it's not about the mattress. It's about the way you sleep. I think uh, we're, if you're just hopping in, uh, we're talking with Dr. V, Alan Vonderhaar, Miskelly's. Well, so this is the distinction we have to make. So when you shorten it up, 
It's Miskelly's, but it's actually called Miskelly Furniture in Central Mississippi. So I just wanted like that's the pause button reset. So if you're ever talking about Miskelly's, so Dr. V, you are a user of door counts as well. You were talking about linking things between the mattress and sleep, but let's talk about how door counts links up foot traffic coming in your store with selling process and follow-up. Well, years ago, I read a book by John Lohan, uh, and I love the way, and one of his big taglines was, um, you can't improve it unless you can measure it. And that in and of itself is just such a great concept. Now, it's obvious, uh, but you need to have the benchmark. So one of the reasons why we chose to go with door counts was to get a really good, accurate measurement of our foot traffic when they come in. Um, and so that was the big thing initially with it. We found it to be a so much greater value than that because our salespeople use it to be able to capture the information for our guests when they come through the doors. We actually get a photograph of them. It comes right up on the door counts. We know exactly which salesperson is gonna be assigned to which guest when they come in. You know, one of the biggest complaints you sometimes get is a guest that goes, you know, I came into your store, I walked around for 30 minutes and no one ever approached me. Well, we don't deal with that anymore because with door counts, we're able to capture their picture, comes right up on the laptop. We know which salesperson has been assigned to who, uh, therefore we don't lose them uh, in that sense. We're also able to capture their information. We're also able to email them back if we know we got a particular promotion coming up. It tracks our close ratio. Once again, if we can track it, we can improve it. Uh, we can get that baseline and we can work with salespeople at an individual level, uh, not just as an overall type of concept uh, to become better. Aren't you better just guessing at it though? Come on. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at no. all. So I know, but isn't that kind of the, the, the alternative is, yes. if you don't have door counts, the alternative is guessing at it. it. The one thing that I always find funny with this is salespeople, you know, a lot of times they're like, you know, you want to, as a manager would say, oh my gosh, you had five people in the store today. How many sales did you close? Well, I only closed uh, one, but the other four people were like UPS guys. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> that, that never happens, right? No, that never happens uh, <laughs> at all where somebody comes in and yeah, that wasn't a good up. Yeah, that was that's what you right. hear a lot. That just wasn't a good. Uh, that was my girlfriend. She bought me a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, we, you know, so no, we door counts really puts that in perspective for us. Hmm. Well, we like on the show curating things that really make an impact for people. So you know, it's like nationwide makes an impact. Podium makes an impact. Door counts makes an impact on people. And one of the big things that Quinn and I've been talking about lately is this idea that retailers really do need help driving foot traffic but to you know once you get the foot traffic in the door how are you going to make sure those guests are taken care of and maximized and communicated with and door counts really helps you do that but let's let's talk about foot traffic a little bit because this is a topic that that's what the book that we're coming out with is all about how to attract foot traffic and build a brand people love miskelly's does that in a world-class way talk about some of the things that you remember over the years that have been amazing foot traffic drivers, things that have actually worked to bring guests into the store? Well, I mean, so a couple of different things. One, we're very fortunate. We are very dominant in central Mississippi. Uh, we, we have a tremendous amount of market share that we have built up over the years. And so uh, kudos to our marketing team 
that really is able to get our message out of who we are and what we are about. So I'll start there because that is ultimately what drives the customers. It's interesting, I was just reading an article uh, that Ashley recently put out about the retention of customers, not the acquisition of customers and making that distinction. And I think that's really important, especially in today's term because overall foot traffic is down. Now I know we're getting this period right now through COVID, but this is, uh, these are the tailwinds that are driving business right now, but we do know that they will die off at some point. And leading up to COVID, traffic had certainly been declining over the years as people explored more online options or engaging more online. So driving those people in is clearly going to always be important. So marketing is certainly one way to do that. But then also doing different type of promotions in terms of community. Uh, I'll give you one right now. One of the things we, we have a tremendous outreach in terms of community involvement. And so we were sitting around the other day and uh, Betsy Tabor, our marketing director, came up with an idea to partner with Mississippi Blood Services, uh, which is a great organization. Uh, donation of blood really had kind of taken a little bit of a decline uh, during this time. And since we're so much big partners, we wanted to go ahead and partner with uh, Mississippi Blood Services. So we came up with something, I'll put it up here so you can kind of see it. It's called Donate and Sleep Great. Can you see my card? Mm. There you go. So uh, it's actually got a little blood drop right there in the O, the whole thing. So we got a whole logo uh, to go along with it. Uh, but this is called Donate Sleep Great. And this is basically that if you go into any one of the Mississippi Blood Services and donate blood, you'll get one of those cards. And then those cards are good for a free pillow. And so what we're doing, as a matter of fact, here's the pillow that we're giving away. All right, there you go. It's a queen size uh, pillow, one of those vacuum packed. And so what it is, you can go to either one of my sleep stores. I have two sleep stores. You can go to either one of my sleep stores, bring the card in, and we will just give you the pillow. It's of no charge. So it's like a $50 value pillow, but it's called Donate Sleep Great. So a lot of things happen. Plus we're going to be able to put them on all of our social media, our Facebook, you know, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Plus we'll be able to hitchhike on the Mississippi Blood Services, Facebook, et cetera. So we're gonna do this in a joint thing, but what it does, it drives traffic to them. So it's a great community service. They get the card, it drives foot traffic into a Miskelly sleep store um, because that's where the pillows are. So we get to continue our message of donate sleep great. Uh, and while they're there, they may or may not engage uh, to buy a pillow. But the good thing is when they are ready to buy a mattress, they will at least have been in one of our two locations where they'll at least have known they had a positive experience. Go ahead, so, Glenn. Doc, yeah, so, so tell me about that in terms of the impact. So we, we know the obvious, which is it can drive traffic, but let's talk about the intangible of that because Kinsley and I haven't known you for very long, but we're, we're both um, strongly attracted to your personality and the kind of light that you shine. Um, and we just, we think you're the cat's pajamas, okay, in a lot of ways. And I don't mean like a low wing cat. I'm talking about a cat like really dressed well. Like that a, kind of tiger. Cat. Yeah, like a tiger. Well, you know why I'm dressed well. You, you, I mean, you got to know why I'm dressed well. So, <laughs> no, he's not. I love this guy. <laughs> well, I wear the shirt. If, if you're not watching this right now, he's got his Dos Marcos podcast t-shirt on right now. God Absolutely. bless you. Wait, wait, how did you get that? Did you get that out of the t-shirt cannon? 
Yeah, I did actually. So you <laughs> shared that out at the 2018 vetting conference uh, that was down, I guess, in uh, uh, Florida. And so, yeah, it was, I was there at your session and you shot that out. And then I wrestled some old lady to the ground. And <laughs> she's okay, though. We confirmed. So, well, we don't well she's okay-ish. Anyway, yeah, back, yeah. To, back to my Sorry, question. Um, so we just think you're that kind of guy. And I just want to know, like, what can you give us an idea or uh, share a story? Maybe, maybe it's not even from your perspective. Maybe it's from a retail salesperson's perspective about the impact that kind of thing has on people in your community. Like, what are the things that you hear at church or um, when you're at a sporting event about the, the company that you represent and their perception of you guys because of these types of things that you do? Like, what is the ultimate benefit back to your company, do you think? Well, I mean, we take a real serious responsibility. We, uh, the owners are all from Mississippi. Um, and this has been a Mississippi company that has been around for 41 years. And we know that we are, uh, have the greatest amount of market share in our market when it comes to furniture and sales. But we really believe, and this is not a tagline, that we enrich people's lives through home furnishings. That's our why. That's why we do what we do, is we enrich lives through home furnishings. Uh, we really do create that home environment. Now I say that because when you understand your why, it gives a tremendous amount of purpose in what you do. So I mentioned the blood one because we were talking about foot traffic in particular as a way to drive foot traffic. But that's now probably our biggest thing. Our biggest thing that we do is something we call the season of giving. This is huge. Is this uh, the 25 days of Christmas? Yeah, this is along that exact line. That is correct. And so what happens is between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we become a fulfillment house for people in need. So we partnered with uh, the local television station. We've done it now for years where we accept nominations from the community. There's an actual committee uh, that's involved that researches all of these things, but you can nominate someone for a season of giving. And what that means is that you basically fill out a form, you kind of tell the story. These are usually maybe, this could be anywhere from a mother uh, who's got kids, kids are sleeping on the floors, uh, or maybe they've had a fire, whatever the need might be. Um, and we literally get thousands of these requests. And then they're going through and they're vetted out. And then we end up narrowing it down to about 30 families. And then basically, we come out to their house and we just, we just give them furniture. And it is amazing the impact. And so at least uh, four of these are usually televised. Uh, the TV station comes out, they do it as a news clip uh, and they get us actually showing up. The number one request we have during that time uh, is mattresses. And so uh, Sealy really partners with us, Spring Air really partners with us in helping us come up with mattresses to donate. Uh, to these people, uh, but it is a huge community outreach program uh, and very, very impactful. Uh, and so we really do believe we enrich lives through home furnishings. So to answer your question, uh, Quinn, that to me is really where it's at. That's the reason why Ms. Skelly's has the reputation. Um, we get requests throughout the year and we fulfill those requests. Many times nobody even knows what we've done behind the scenes, 
Uh, we only broadcast like usually four or five of them in a particular season, but it's between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But it has a tremendous impact on the community. Uh, when you got somebody whose kids are sleeping on the floor and you can come in and bring them a frame and a twin mattress set and some bedding, uh, it literally impacts their lives. And the Skelly's is known for that. So to be a part of that. So Dr. V goes on a lot of these deliveries uh, because I'm always the face of Miskelly's, the owners have gone on them, other managers have gone on them, but you literally see video of, uh, of Dr. V carrying a mattress into a little girl's home, and uh, it's very, very impactful. And, and, we don't, and we really do it for the right reasons. We don't do it for the publicity. Uh, we do it because we feel a community responsibility into our markets that we're going to reach out and take care of people. Dr. V, I listened to a podcast that you did um, that was based in Mississippi. It was like a, a Mississippi based podcast and Chip oh, and Tommy absolutely. were on there just to kind of get prepared and, and hear some of the stories, maybe before the stories. And one of the things you talk about the season of giving and the heart behind the company. And one thing that was kind of mentioned, but there wasn't a deep dive, uh, was this idea when your group gets together at Muskelly's, your, your team members, you take prayer requests. You're a, you're a faith-based company, a faith-first company. Tell us about that. Tell us a little more about that. Well, we absolutely are. And that comes from top down. Um, uh, all three brothers really, you know, I have a deep belief uh, in Jesus and in God. And so we're closed every Sunday, which is almost unheard of in today's age. We're kind of like the the Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby in that sense. We've never been open on a Sunday. We firmly believe that truly is family day. Um, but yeah, we are very bold about our Christian faith. We do not hide from it. We absolutely embrace it. Uh, I've said many times, you don't have to be a Christian to work for Miskelly's, but you're going to be exposed to the word if you are, because we believe in the concept uh, of, of how we want to treat others. And we want to do it in a very Christ-like way. So yeah, before every sales meeting, we take prayer requests. We pray over people. We have a prayer list. Uh, when our people are out, we will go visit people uh, you know, in hospitals. Uh, if our employees are out sick for some reason, we take that very serious. We feel that the Lord has blessed us for six days out of the seven, and we're going to give that seventh day to him. Uh, we share sermons back and forth with one another. But yeah, our faith is really important to us here at Miskelly's. That's a cultural thing too. You fly, you fly that flag and you attract the right people and you create the right culture and the tone that gets passed along to customers is appropriate and meaningful. But what are, what are some of your, you know, what are some of your favorite employee stories or maybe even customer interaction stories since you're, you're like this, uh, this hummingbird that goes to all different parts of the company and you're between the customers and you're out donating and you're dealing with employees and helping employees. What are some of your favorite stories about maybe customers or even employees? Wow. You know, I'm, 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 it's a good question. Uh, obviously, I've been here a long time. You know, I don't know if I've got anything in terms of, well, I, ha I had one that was kind of interesting years ago. Um, uh, and this was dealing with um, an upset customer. And I think that's, they were just not happy with Miskelly's. Uh, and, and I ended up getting a chance to talk to them. Uh, and I think really being able to interact with our customers in a very positive way 
uh, and letting them share their visions uh, of what have, whether real or imagined that take place. Uh, it's really important that we can respond to them. So I don't know if I've got anything in specific in that regards, but I'll think about that and I'll save that for our next podcast. Go ahead, Glenn. Well, and be thinking about like when you've been out in public and people come up to you, that type of thing. Cause I mean, 25 years on TV, you're gonna have some people that are like the ladies behind the scenes are like real Dr. V fans. I'm just saying it's probably happening. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it sounds ask- dirty. You made that sound so dirty. You know, I meant to. I meant to make it sound man. dirty. On, that man. was on purpose. Look at him. He's like a nice guy. Why do you got to paint him like that? Yeah, thank you, Quinn. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I get highly recognizable out there in the industry, and a lot of people, uh, I mean, even in, uh, in our communities, recognize me. Like I said, I called it the Johnny Carson effect. Um, but yeah, nothing specific comes to mind on customer interactions. I, I have an idea. Yes. Okay. On, on the, last t- the last time you were on our show, um, you had a small list of reviews that came back from people who weren't happy. Well, hold on. Pause button. He, this is the first time he's been on the show. We recorded oh, with Dr. V as part of the podium sponsorship because okay. he's a podium customer. Okay. We haven't, All right. He hasn't been on the show yet. This is the first time. But was he on the show with podium? He was uh, the sponsor. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to trip you up and like, actually, you can't do that with debate. me. I, 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 I could make a formal case that he has been on the show, but I'm not going to do that. Cause that's not. Oh, okay. We, we need a jury involved then. No, I got you. I'm with you. <laughs> His voice has appeared on the show before, he, yes. He yes. was not featured on the show. Gotcha. I'm with but, you. You know, actually, he tells a funny story. He's driving along in his car, and he's going to listen to one of our podcast episodes, and he turns it on, and it's him, to your point, because he was listening to himself give a promo for Podium. So I love that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> but um, anyway, during the promo session, thank you for um, clearing that up. The, the promo session I thought was really cool because you had – some things like some bad comments from some customers. And if you're in business, inevitably that's going to happen, right? I think you should come back sometime with a small stack and the Mm -hmm. three of us together can read off some of those crappy comments. And then the three of us together can think creatively around ways to totally blow them away, come over the top with a solution to address the problem that they had. So it's a creative problem solve and it's okay when someone screws up because it actually gives you a chance to come back at them and overwhelm them with your reaction. So what do you think? Would that be fun to do? Like we'll figure out really cool ways to blow people away. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it'd be a great idea. Oh, are we still paused by the way? No, we're, we're rolling. No, that's rolling. When he says pause, he just means like he wants me to shut up essentially is what he's saying. <laughs> Got it. Sounds good. Yeah, no, that would be great. I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, and although we have a tremendous number of five stars, uh, we certainly got some of those one stars and three star reviews out there. Uh, and I'd love to be able to address them because I think you're right. That's an opportunity. You know what we should do? We should call some of the five star people, just call them up and try and talk them out of their five star rating, try and talk, t- talk them into like a two star and let them defend Miss Galleys. What do you think about that? That's a great idea. I love that idea. <laughs> I'm in. Well, you, you had another great idea for us and, and it's going to be coming up likely next week, you got us connected with a guy named Charlie Maloof. Yes. And Charlie is the CEO of Broad River Retail. Correct. And they have a lot of Ashley Furniture Home stores 
out on the East Coast. And tell us a little bit about your friendship with Charlie. And, and obviously, this is a chance for us to say, hey, this is coming up. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the email list because uh, you're going to miss out if you don't. But how, tell us about Charlie. Well, Charlie is an amazing CEO uh, and one of the most beloved CEOs that I know in the industry. And it's mainly because of the way that he cares about his employees and about his guests. You know, uh, Craig Rochelle said once that culture is either what you create or what you tolerate. And so be careful what you tolerate while you're trying to create. Uh, and, tr and no one knows that better than Charlie. He's created a culture uh, where his people really ultimately care about each other, care about the guest experience. Uh, he's a guy who clearly understands what his why is, why they do what they do. He understands his vision and he has great purpose that he has been able to instill throughout his entire company. And it goes all the way down to the way that the warehouse people interact with one another, the salespeople act with one another. He actually calls all of his sales associates memory makers. So no one is referred to as a sales associate. Everyone is referred to as a memory maker because he absolutely believes that they are creating memories for their guests through home furnishings. So if you get a chance to listen to Charlie Maloof, I promise you, you'll get some great insight on how to better your own business. Well, we've got some great insights today too. So that's a huge endorsement. We're excited to talk to Charlie and it's been Great getting to know the man behind the lab coat, Dr. V, Alan Vonderhaar, Miskelly's. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your story and your heart and the heart of your company. Um, thanks to all your team members who do such a great job to take the message of better sleep and firmly connect that to the mattress so people can get restorative sleep and go impact the world in a positive way. We are, uh, we're huge fans. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Just kind of share the story because at the end of the day, it's not about the mattress. It's about the way you sleep. You can bounce on it. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, I'm hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. And I'm hot like a heater Bounce by the ounce Now, now we, we got, got it by the leader Well you take a spring And you wrap it up right You can sleep so smooth Or bounce all night yeah. Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it Lay back You don't have to practice It's the best thing to happen To your mattress yeah. Get together to do it like I did Everybody get high if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Nothing short of cheating. Keeping it loose.
house while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of a comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get high What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl wanna chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce You'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react Then you can't get low We got the type of bounce That won't spill your Merlot So stick with us And you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle And I'm so supportive Magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. mattresses.